that you will not test us beyond what we're able to bear, but you have given us the grace and the strength and your promises to make it through those times, and, and, and it's coming for our good and for your glory. And so while it's hard to accept sometimes while we're in the middle of it, we do thank you for your many promises, the reminders uh, from both Hebrews and Proverbs that, that you discipline those you accept as sons and daughters. And so uh, I don't know where we've been this week, Lord, uh, all of us. Um, I know enough of life, though, to know that there have been trials. Some of them, most of them are, every day we have problems. Most of them are relatively small. We get just used to thinking about it. But some things may have really been devastating um, and really hard to deal with and may really struggle. Uh, but thank you for the honesty of this gospel. The last chapter, we, chapter 11, we just looked at it and for, and for how much unbelief, even among your closest disciples and closest friends, like Mary and Martha, there was. Um, and, and we are the same way. But we thank you for your patience with them and the same with us. Um, there may be exasperation sometimes at our, our own faith. Even I know I struggle with that, and I, I get frustrated with my own shallow belief that ebbs and flows. But um, but you're still patient with us, and you're working a greater way to glory. And we thank you for that. Uh, do that again uh, this morning, even as Larry said. Uh, wash us again in the water of your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> Mary anoints Jesus, right? First 11 verses we've been through. I think this is now our fourth session, hopefully the final one today. I am working on the next set of notes. Um, but just to set our context... Remember, John is the only gospel that tells us about the raising of Lazarus. As, um, and, and, and John specifically does this. We're going to see this in, 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 in the next set of notes, which the upcoming verses very clearly tie. In fact, actually the point that we're on right now, uh, point number five on our outline, which we'll get to in a minute, um, does does start to to show us clearly the connection there okay the other gospels present the all four gospels present the triumphal entry okay? what they don't do the other gospels don't do that john does is tell us the reason for all the excitement not just of his disciples but of that large and growing crowd of faithful jews who are descending on Jerusalem because it's the Passover, right? And so remember that there, that that Lazarus is a member of the family of Mary and Martha. They're very wealthy people. They're well-connected. They live in Bethany, which is basically a suburb of Jerusalem, a wealthy suburb, um, judging by the fact that, that this dinner that in which Mary pours out the oil uh, takes place in the home of a man called Simon the leper, right? So I'm just piecing this together. We know there are at least two wealthy families there, and I'm, you know it's not hard. It's not a stretch. Uh, today's the same kind of idea, right? You, you've got you got just take our own city, right? Asheville, that, that downtown, and, and there's a lot of wealthy people that are moving into downtown. But you've got a bit more forest, right? Just on the outskirts. It's been there a long time, and it's been sort of the you know the the retreat place, close enough to town to be convenient, but it's complete retreat place. And because of its convenience, and what are the three rules of real estate? Location, location, location. Right, location, a beautiful location, easy to town and get you as far enough away from the hubbub and 
you know, it's a wealthy spot, right? And I think Bethany's kind of like that, um, from what I can tell. So <clears throat> Mary, Martha, Lazarus, the Lord comes, you know, you know the story, he delays, um, and, and it allows plenty of time for these wealthy people from Jerusalem who were friends of Mary and Martha, these wealthy, well-connected, um, and, and, and should I say respected people, respected in the sense that when they bore witness to something like the raising of Lazarus, they would be listened to. I kind of like that old commercial. My, my wife is like a walking commercial box. Or E.F. Hutton, remember that? E.F. Hutton talks people with him. Yeah, there you go. So these witnesses who were there to see the raising of Lazarus were very excited, just blown away by that, right? And they they began to spread this word throughout all Jerusalem, and the town, get this now, is buzzing with excitement. Is he going to come to the feast, right? And then John's already told us all this. The Jewish leaders are 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 pushed into a corner. They they wanted to since chapter five. They wanted to 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 stop him to to kill him even okay. But they haven't gotten really serious about it until now. They're finally pushed into a corner where they have to act. And so they have that the, the real trial of Jesus in the last part of last half of chapter 11. And we saw Caiaphas, even there in the emergency session of the Sanhedrin that they have there, um, Caiaphas has to kind of rally the troops and sway the whole body in favor of killing him, right? And... Uh, this is an important point because now John is, you know, to this point, we've really, you know, as I've said, it's kind of like we're sitting there with the DVD of Jesus's ministry and, and John is skipping a lot of parts. He slows down for a few highlights here or there, but now we're really slowing down. Okay. So you got to bear this in mind. It's hard to maintain. Just like you come back, but he is about to be crucified. Okay. It's, it's, as I've been, you know, in the other John Bible study, we're in chapter 18 where he's been arrested and he's uh, appeared before Annas and Caiaphas and then Pilate. And, um, um, you know, it's there's this, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought here. Um, there's, there's, um, oh, in, in, in looking at the other parallel accounts in the other Gospels of all these events. John doesn't tell us this, but the other Gospels, particularly Matthew, Mark, let us know that while the leaders, Caiaphas, which we just got through looking at at the end of chapter 11, where Caiaphas sways the body and they finally come up with a formal decision that we're going to put this man to death. And anybody, and they put the, the wanted posters out, right? They put the word out to say, anybody knows where he is, let us know, right? Uh what the other Gospels tell us is that they didn't really want to act on that until after the Passover. Okay, So here again, we're seeing in John's Gospel the hand of God moving in circumstances that were maybe to the players in the circumstances that didn't make a lot of sense right then. Okay, Just like Mary Martha, right? Why did you delay? Why did you wait four days? Why don't you care? Okay, that delay allowed plenty of these reputable, high-ranking witnesses to come and to witness the raising of Lazarus. 
Okay, very important, among other reasons, right? And it also allowed um, plenty of time for Lazarus to be dead, dead, right? It wasn't just like the other two accounts of raisings in the gospel, one we just looked at at Mark and Jairus' daughter, she literally just died like within the hour, right? And Jesus goes in and, and, and wakes her up, so to speak. You, you, to skeptics, I could say, well, you know, maybe she really did die. But in this case, the smell was there, unmistakable smell of death, right? Well, they were already buried. And they'd already buried him. He's in there four days, goodness. You know, no, a live person's going to survive that, right? He's definitely dead, dead, no doubt about it, all right? So anyway, in God's timing, uh, which, which, didn't align with everybody else, all the players. Same thing here with, with these leaders. So the leaders hate him, and they want to crucify him, and they've made the final decision to do it, and the official edict has come out of the high, uh, the high council of the land. But let's wait till after Passover. But what's God's timing? It's going to be done. So at... It's, I mean, again, like I say, there's a lot of there's a lot of chapters, there's a lot of text between now, uh, when we finish chapter 12, we get into 13 through 17, that whole upper room discourse and the high priestly prayer, and Jesus has so much to say in there. It's hard to remember this, but but Jesus is the one who pulls the trigger and tells Judas, "Go do it quickly." Right? I used to think it meant, you know, get out of here now and go. It does kind of mean that, but what Jesus is really telling him is. Now is the time to do it. Don't wait till after Passover. Do it now. Go do it now. Okay. Jesus is the one who pulls the trigger, the Father and the Son working together. That's their timing. So that he is on the cross dying for sin when the Passover lambs are being slaughtered in that temple. Okay. Alright, so that's that's some framing for us. You know what uh, thinking about that when Jesus speaks, you remember he's God. <clears throat> and God his, his words are very powerful. So it's almost like that when you told him to do that, you really didn't have a choice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, too, that at that point, Judas entered him, and he, it's like all, all the energy, it's all the, you know, I was at Luther that says that the devil is God's devil. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, your biggest, your biggest supernatural enemy uh, is still under the control of your father. Amen. Praise God. Um, so anyway, so the other Gospels, again, so we deal with this in the first part of the section of your notes of so the chronology problem. The other Gospels also uh, kind of back up in time to this anointing of Mary, uh, uh, anointing of Jesus by Mary with the, with the uh, oil spikenard, okay? And, and, but John is clear in his language. The other Gospels don't... The, the other Gospels put it after, if you're reading it like linearly, after the triumphal entry. But it actually happened just before, the day before the triumphal entry. And John makes that clear to us here. The other Gospels' language doesn't require that it be before. It just says, and you know, it's giving us a parallel account, right? And just backs up to say, okay, well, why these other things? Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, well, John makes it clear that this was the day before. And uh, so the text that, that we're looking at, which is um, verses 9 through 11, um, kind of sets the stage for all of this. Uh, so let's finish up. Um, let's just read through here quickly, and, and we'll, we'll finish up point four and then point five on our outline, okay? Again, John 12, 
1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came, therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Remember, John is drawing a strong connection to what is coming with the triumphal entry to the raising of Lazarus. Okay, so, so that's why he's making sure we know this is that Lazarus. Remember, there are other Lazaruses, right? So it's that Lazarus, the one that he raised from the dead. Okay, all right, uh, verse 2. So they, they gave a dinner for him there. We know from the other Gospels, that this happened in the house of, a, of not Mary Martha's house, okay? Martha likes to be the one to serve, and here she is doing it, right? Martha served, and Lazarus is one of those reclining table. Apparently, well, not apparently, they definitely this is a This is a dinner in honor of Jesus. And there's a, there's a, we're about to celebrate what holiday? Well, Veterans Past Veterans Day, and then what? Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. This is a, this is essentially a Thanksgiving dinner to Jesus, okay? They didn't have turkey and dressing and all that like we do, but it's, that's the point of it is, is expressing gratitude to him. Simon has been healed, you know, most likely. Uh, certainly, Mary and Martha and Lazarus are all very grateful for what Jesus had just done, raising Lazarus from the dead. And so they're, they're, they're holding this dinner here. John skips that detail because it's in the other Gospels, but it is at Simon the leper's house. Martha served, back to verse 2, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. So there's, you get the picture, right? This is a banquet. This isn't a small, intimate dinner. This is a banquet. There's a large number of people there both those reclining at the table and as i told you uh, especially in, in wealthy houses you know when when, it, when a when a, a vip would show up in in your village um visiting it wasn't it was it wasn't uncommon it was a cultural practice that those who weren't invited to the dinner could still come in and just stand around the edge of the room on the wall and that's what's happening with that parallel story with the woman who's weeping, right? The 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 um the woman of the night, okay, the the uh she would not be invited to the house of the Pharisee, but she came in anyway, right? Because she's there. Same idea, right? So there are a lot of people here. Now now Mary is definitely replying at the table. I'm sure she's an invited guest. Um, but she is Martha is serving. It probably is not just again. Don't feel, feel bad for Martha. She's not the only one running helter-skelter, okay? I think what it's telling us here is Martha, being a wealthy woman, would have had household servants. Serving and, 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 and hospitality was a big deal to Martha. We know that. She's how she's wired, right? And if she's got the means, you can guarantee she had the staff to do it. Okay, so she's directing it is what it's saying, okay? Uh, and she's, she is, she's, I'm sure, serving herself, but she has... She's helped, she's, if you will, the, the main chef, right? And got the whole kitchen staff and everybody going. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound, that's 12 ounces, of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of, the, one of his disciples, 
he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Right? And used to, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. He skimmed off the top. Which, as we said last time, you know, they probably didn't really put all that together till later. I'm sure they would have put a stop to him being the keeper of the bag had they known that. Um, anyway, so we. You know, we're, we're presented here with two people <clears throat> who picture such extreme opposite reactions to Jesus. You've got the Marys, and then you've got the Judases, right? And while it's, it's only two people, they still kind of typify people's responses even today to him. Um, and, and by the way, before you think that's other people, check your own heart, right? Um, <clears throat> and be sure that the Jesus that you love is the one in the Bible, first of all. If, if the, you know, as we've said before, I saw a really great saying some years ago on Facebook, if your God always agrees with you, you have an idol. I would say, let's, let's apply that to Jesus, too. If Jesus always agrees with you, you have an idol. You don't have the one in the scripture because they're gonna, gonna, you're going to run into those moments of like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and the disciples did, and you're going to be like, what in the world are you doing? I thought this was, you know, I thought you were the kind, loving Jesus. Why are you putting me through, through this? Well, in Matthew's account, it, he, they interpreted that extravagance as a waste by this place. In, in, yes, yeah, well, all the disciples did, and we have those parallel accounts printed on the back of your notes, right? Uh, all the disciples did, but but Judas is the one who I understand that. who uh, uh, spearheads that, okay? He was thinking, ah, that's a little, little that's more money I could be taking off the top. Of yeah. exactly. <laughs> How much was 300 Nerai, right? That's about a year's wage. Year's wage of the average working man. So, you know, put your own dollar figure on that 45000 $50,000, somewhere around there, maybe. Okay. Well, like you said, for her to have it, she would have saved it. I mean, that, for her to have that kind of money to give for four hours. Yes, yes. It's a costly. Yes, it is. It is costly. Um, and, and anyway, you know, she may have, who knows, what, what all was going on in her mind before that. But the, the thing that we, that we want to see, the lesson we want to draw out of this, is that... Um, uh, Mary realized the worth of Jesus far exceeded the worth of that alabaster Amen. jar and the Amen. oil it contained. Amen. Okay. Um, and and but Judas is what just the opposite. Right? And we get some insight here, which is interesting. You know, again, Matthew, Mark's accounts, um, which are at least. In, partially printed on the back of your notes there. Um, in, in their accounts, they, they draw a pretty clear connection between this act of Mary here and Judas. This, you might say this was the final, the straw that broke the camel's back for Judas. 
He was already thinking about it, right? He'd already sort of laid the groundwork in his mind. He was already he was already stealing. He was already comfortable with doing that and getting getting comfortable with that sin. And then here, this happens. He's already been listening. Jesus has already been saying, "I'm going. The uh, Passover is coming. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be, you know, handed over and be crucified." No, Judas is hearing this, and he's like, "You know, because where where did he want this? To, where did all the disciples want this to go?" Deliver. Yeah, they didn't see the suffering servant. That wasn't in their that wasn't in their messianic theology. They didn't see that at all. We got to remember that. We we look back. We 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 see a certain way. We got see it the way they turn that around. See the way they were looking at it. Right. They remember right 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 up to the night in which he was betrayed. Even the, the upper room discourse. Luke tells us they were still arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. No, it's not, you know. And, and remember James and John. The mother comes and <clears throat> let these sit on your right hand and your left. Right. Make my boys number one and number two. Which angered everybody else. <laughs> where does that tell you where all our hearts are? Okay. Judas is there too. He wants to cash in on this Messiah who's coming, going to kick Rome to the curb, usher in the golden promises of the Old Testament, right, and reverse the curse and, and bring Israel, make Israel ahead and not the tail and, and, and beat the, the swords and the plowshares and the spears and the pruning hooks and all of that, right? That's what, and, and, and we're, we're right there. We're his, we're his counsel, right? And so Judas is, he's, he's reviewing his heart. John says here by already stealing, and he sees this waste, quote unquote, tells you where his value is, right? Where's his value? Jesus is just the means to an end for me. Right? Whereas Mary saw Jesus as the Lamb of God, okay, and, 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 and worth far more. She loved him. Judas loved what he could get. And I'm sad to say that, you know, um, as we study this the Gospel of John, and it presents Jesus in all his glory and splendor, you know, um, I'm just appalled by the Jesus is a benefit, right? The Jesus of benefit that benefits that are held out so often. And of course, televangelists, you know, Christianity is just a means to getting healthy and wealthy and wise and whatever, you know, in this life, your best life now, and so on. But there's a lot more subtle forms of it. Like it. It's not that there aren't benefits to following Jesus, most certainly are. It's just that most of them are coming later. And that's why the the Peter and the other apostles continue to exhort us to wait patiently for the coming of our Lord and Savior, right? When, when all these things will be tied up and, and, and all the wrongs will be righted. And, and, and your work then in favor of the Lord will finally be rewarded and acknowledged for what it is. Okay? But Judas didn't want that. He wanted it now. And uh, the other gospels tell us pretty clearly that, that this is what pushed him over the edge. And he went then and started conspiring with the chief priests and the other leaders. Um, <clears throat> so verse 7, this is now point number 4, and this is where we were last time on our notes. Point, uh, verses, point 4, verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Uh, for the poor you have always with you, but you do not always 
have me. Okay. Um, let's see here. There's a footnote there because the ESV uh, has an alternate rendering there, and, and some of the other translations do as well, where it says Jesus, Jesus said, uh, leave her alone that she may keep it. The alternate rendering here is leave her alone, she intended to keep it to the day of my burial. Um, and that may be what, you know, there's, it's a little unclear exactly uh, what is meant there. I, I think that, um, I, I think I like that alternate rendering better because it seems to fit what's going on. What did Mary have intended for this, right? Maybe she had purchased this as part of the, the burial uh, ointment that, that was intended for her brother. And it just, it just didn't use it. And then, but remember what I told you, Mary has a really great relationship with the feet of Jesus, right? Uh, which is a place of listening. And, and while the other disciples, they hear and they selectively listen, they pick out the parts that fit with their, you know, golden messianic paradigm and kind of let the other pieces, like I'm going to be crucified and so forth, kind of slide to the back burner. She's picking up on that. She believed him, and 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 we may be getting some insight here that she had been keeping this for the day of his burial, but decided now to go ahead with it, right, and to to break it and and to pour it out on him while he's still alive. As as a and here's the whatever her whatever else you want to say about it, what it does is it reveals her heart. That much is clear, right? She placed high value on him far more than the monetary value of that that she's pointing out, right? Does it say that she used all of it? The other gospels say she broke the container. Where is that? She crushed it literally. So. Where does that say that? <clears throat> I'm looking at Matthew's account in fact. Because here it doesn't say that. Let's see, what does Mark say? Um, Mark is the one that says that verse 3 she broke the flask and poured it over his head and it, it has the idea of you know not just taking the stopper out but breaking the container itself well, that was, is, she, is she not the one that anointed Jesus was going to the, to the grave to anoint him this might not have been was this the same Mary well, I know Mary Magdalene and some of the other Marys. There's so many Marys. It does say Mary Magdalene because it says in John 21, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. Is, is this the same there, Mary? There, she's, this is not Mary Magdalene. Okay. Okay. Um, it's, there, there were a group of women that came. There's so many Marys. There's at least four or five Marys mentioned in the Bible. Mary the mother, Mary that Mary, Mary Magdalene, another Mary is the cousin, the mother of the John the Baptist. There's so many Marys. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe when we get there, we'll uh, we'll study a little bit more carefully and try to de-entangle that. Okay. Um, but uh, she very well could have been among those that came that morning. It wasn't just Mary Magdalene, right? Mary Magdalene was the one that seemed to have lingered there and actually got to see him first, post-resurrection. Um, but there was a group of when she, I think she came with a group of women. The rest of them went away to tell the disciples, and she just hung out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
whatever whatever else we want to say about it, again, the important thing is the contrast between these two. These outward actions of both Mary and Judas are, are the effects of what? The invisible heart, right? Uh, and, and, and so that's a very, very important question we keep asking of the scriptures. How do you make the invisible visible, right? By its effect, because the scriptures constantly are talking about invisible things um, that, that we can't see. Here in this case, invisible heart, both, both of them, both Barry and Judas, as they sit around the table at this dinner where the mood is very positive toward Jesus, all kind of look good, you know, and, and, and just like people in church. Yeah, we're all here. Okay, but the but the at the end of the day, it's not what you say, but your your actions and you know who you really are when your guard is down, and, and when the sin in Judas's case just bubbles over into this whole thing. And I don't think he he got up right away and really mad and angry after Jesus's rebuke of him and the other disciples, and but it was probably the next day, you know, and he just went right away to very very soon. It might have been. After dinner was over, I go to do something, you know, whatever. But the point is that their actions reveal their hearts. So Jesus says, <clears throat> for the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. And uh, just a side note here, notice that, that Jesus is not advocating for poverty. He's not saying, you know, make sure you keep them poor. No, yeah, he's he's in he's on board with the idea of of helping people who have genuine needs, right? That's that's fine, that's good. But you have will always have that, and you by the way won't be able to solve it by voting in the right people. They're not going to get rid of poverty. It's always going to be this imbalance of of things. And there all there are also um, we say that we go to uh, Bible study, men's Bible study in Ramble, which is sort of the new part of Biltmore Forest. They're here every two weeks. Uh, a lot of wealthy believers there, um, good good guys. Uh, <clears throat> some of them, one, one time one of them said, um, you know, I feel kind of bad being isolated behind this you know, guarded gate out, you know, and, and, I, and I, said, uh, I said to him, I said, listen, God has you where he has you. You know, there, there are, as we drive through that neighborhood, these beautiful homes, I guarantee you there are a lot of hurting and needy families in there. And not, not always, not everybody who's poor is needy. And not everybody's needs for okay and there are there are hurting people in that wealthy development just like there are down the trail park and so uh, anyway so jesus is it's not he's he's not saying don't you know don't give to the poor he is acknowledging that but he's just saying this is a greater value you don't always have it here and mary knows that and she's pouring out this uh, oil in an expression of her love for him and trust in him and her gratitude for his grace in the face of her unbelief, right? And a force of form of repentance, I think, for her too. Anyway, so we've talked about all of that. Let's move on now, finish up with point five on our outline, which is nine through 11. <clears throat> when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. <laughs> Isn't that right? Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. 
Okay, now it says here in, in this translation, the large crowd of the Jews. Um, let's break that down for a second. What does John mean when he uses that special word Jews? I have a mark of leaders. That's what I put down. Okay. In my notebook, we're talking about leaders. But you're, you're kind of talking about the ruling class. So this is wouldn't surprise me at all, like I said, if Nicodemus was here. He's not named. He's But Nicodemus, I, John seems to use Nicodemus as his main go-to example to say that that even though as a group this this group that John calls Jews which is a summary term for the Pharisees the Sadducees scribes experts wealthy influential people the ruling class of Israel you might say okay um, John is critical to let us they made the formal decision to reject this Messiah but there are some exceptions. In fact, there's a verse coming at the end of this chapter that makes it very clear that some of the even some of the priests believed in him, but because of their fear of the Jews, they, they weren't openly disciples of his. Okay. Um, but anyway, so but the point I want you to see is that these are influential people. Maybe some Judeans, I'm sure, but predominantly Galilean roughneck people. They called him, they, they called themselves disciples of his, right? In John 6, many of them left. Well, those were to the eyes of the people, to the wealthy, well-connected. Okay, they, they're witnesses, but they're not, you know, we don't want to take them seriously, right? But these people they take seriously. Okay? These are well connected, reputable witnesses. A large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there. Remember that the buzz is um, people are already verse 56. Uh, people are, are talking to one another as they stand in the temple and as they're coming to town for the Passover, they go to the feast, right? And then they get to work. Oh, Jesus is just in Bethany. It's just two miles away. Okay. And the excitement. How many people do you think filled up this house? That's why I say this was no private, intimate dinner. There was a, this, this was a banquet. There were a lot of people here. Didn't a lot of that, people here. Didn't you say the Passover is like a million Jews or better? Could be. So yeah. we're saying that the entire Asheville, outskirts of Asheville and everything included was like six or 700,000. Just to give you an idea. Yeah, maybe about half. half a lot of people. 600, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Yes. So in, in, in town at its highest point, at the day of Passover itself, there could be as many as a million uh, or more uh, people in town. So you have a large, John's not kidding when he says a large crowd that had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was 
was, uh, um, I'm sorry, wrong verse. Uh, when the large, then when the large crowd of the Jews learned Jesus was there, they came not only account of him, but also to see Lazarus, right? They want to see this, <clears throat> whom he had raised from the dead. John is reminding us again, you know, in fact, um, I like what, what, I think it was John McCarthy, one of the preachers listened to about this, said, from that point on, Lazarus had a comma after his name, after he was raised from the dead. This is Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead, you know, as opposed to all the other Lazarus out there. He was tired. And like when you're, oh, oh, you're you're Rick's brother, or you're you're you're, uh, you're Luke's father. Okay. Well, they had last names back then. They didn't have to distinguish which one was which, right? They didn't have the last name. The Jewish people never had the last name different. The last name they started to give in the 18th century when they started to do the census in the governments to find how many Jews. They had one the first name and the father's name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus, Ben, Joseph. Then Joseph. Yeah. Jesus, son of the Joseph. They never had the last name. Right. That's why Simon Bar Jonah. Right? Bar Jonah. Sometimes yeah. Sometimes son of Jonah. Exactly. Simon, son of John. And one, well, yeah, I'm sorry, one more no, thing about the, you're saying that about the Galilean Samaritan versus the Jews, the real Jews. Because the real Jews that time, they didn't consider Galilean or people from the Samaria like a, they're like a half Jew because they did this. Those are, those are descendants. From um, they have gone Assyrian to the northern part of the Jew, so they've been mixed with them. So the all apostles out of the twelve, uh, only Judah the Iscariot, he was the real, real zealous Jew. The other people they've been more like a Samaritan. They've been they considered them as a half Jew, not the real, real Jew. Hmm. But the Judas Iscariot was the only thing. And the Judas Iscariot name comes actually Iscariot means Ish. Cariot, Ish in the Hebrew means city. So Judah from the city of Cariot. He was from one of the cities. We don't know his last name. Iscariot is not his last name. Mm -hmm. He's the Judah from city of Cariot. Ish in Cariot means city. No, that's just important. And he's the only one that's a Judean. The rest are Judean, and he was yeah. the only one who was educated yeah. because yeah. the other ones were fishermen. <clears throat> that's why the treasure of those groups being trusted to him because he was the only educated person for that time period education was high but the rest of them were fishermen they didn't know those things so right. that's why the treasury of those groups are supposed to have been trusted to judah but he had a bad heart he was still yes right that's right I thought the tax collector was educated. well he matthew matthew would have been the only other one that would have been qualified to handle the finances part. Or Matthew, exactly. Matthew, absolutely Matthew right. was able to take shorthand too, as far as yes, exactly. You absolutely right. He was a tax collector. Or Peter, I mean, he could find money in a fish's mouth. Yeah, right. he he found that's pretty good treasure. He's right finding money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So let's let's uh, keep moving because I do want to finish this and yeah. move on to the text next time. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now. So the people are coming. We already know that there's all this buzz in town, right? And as more and more people are streaming into town, the excitement is growing. You think Jesus is going to come to the feast? You know, they they know about this edict. They know about the the the, the leaders have said this, right? And, and it's kind of like in a movie. I mean, we're the same way, right? The movie sets up the good guy, the protagonist, and then you get the antagonist. And you can see a building, a building, and you know there's coming that 
confrontation, right? That sort of climax of the story. And that's what the that's what the people are feeling, and they're excited about it. And John is telling us that they learn, oh, Jesus is just two miles away at Bethany, and they come in. Oh, guess what? Guess what else? Not only is Jesus at this feast, but Lazarus is there too, whom Jesus, we've been telling you about how Jesus raised him from the dead. You're getting a sense of it. You hear the excitement and you feel that brewing and the people are there and notice the large crowd, right? It's a large crowd. Now we see that in verse 12 again, the large crowd. Okay, so the large crowd of the Jews learned Jesus was there when they came not only to count him, but also to see Lazarus. What does verse 10 say? They plan to put Lazarus to death as well. I, uh, before I started really paying more careful attention, because as a teacher, you, you want to do that. You want to know your material. Right? I just sort of, you know, in, in the past, I kind of I kind of lumped it all together. I thought, well, you know, it's the Pharisees and scribes. And it's, it's the same pack of leaders that want to put him to death, also want to kill Lazarus. That's not what John says. Who does he specifically finger as the group that wants to kill Lazarus? Okay. Chief priests. Okay. Now, the majority, a majority of the Sanhedrin was chief priests, okay? But not exclusively so. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Follow. <clears throat> John does not use the word Sadducees. We don't find the Sadducees here. We do find in other Gospels. And we know that the Sadducees and the, fair, uh, the chief priests, sorry, are effectively the same group for the most part. Now, with that tip, what do you know about the theology of the Sadducees? The Sadducees and the Pharisees are different groups. Yeah, they're different groups. Because, you know, the Pharisees, the one who, who, oh, I'm sorry, I just, you say that, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is, what are some of the doctrinal differences? Doctrinal difference because Sadducees reject the oral, oral law. There's an oral law and written law, Torah versus Talmud. So the Pharisees, they accept both of them. Sadducees, they said, we have to follow only written law, which is Torah, but not the full oral Torah, law, which is the Talmud, to run the verdict on it. Right. That was the only So they, 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 they took basically the first five, five books of our Bible, right, and then, that Moses wrote, as a, at, you know, which is, by the way, when Jesus answers them, he uses that. That's right. That's the Torah. Uh, he knows that, all right? So... What, but what else does the scripture, particularly in Acts, it talks about? We haven't done a study yet on these guys. We're going we're gonna to do that coming up. But how does it Resurrection. They denied the resurrection. Remember, they're the ones who came to Jesus in the other Gospels and said, we got this real or hypothetical woman who marries a man. She dies, or he dies, without bearing son, according to the law. His brother was supposed to marry her, produce children for his dead brother, right? Remember, that happens in seven. She goes through seven guys. I'd like to be the sixth or seventh one. Right? Okay. And then she dies. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be, right? They. Why did the Sadducees ask that? Well, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they, that was one of their big, you know, silver bullet arguments with the Pharisees that they, they, they exactly. got hung up on, okay? But Jesus answered and said, you guys got it completely wrong. First of all, he validated the resurrection, okay? Secondly, he's like, you know, you guys don't know the scriptures or the power of God, okay? And, and uh, so the, the point I'm trying to make here is that, that don't miss that in verse 10, a little detail, it's these Sadducees that can't stand for Lazarus to be living. 
Exactly. No, I'm sorry, can I throw one more comment? The only please. reason is because actually you are not going to believe when I learned that I was so surprised. The Jewish people believe in reincarnation. You just heard that. Yeah. And reincarnation is not written <coughs> in the Bible, it's not in the Torah, in yeah. the Bible. It's only in the oral law, in the Talmud. That's why, because of the Sadducees, they've been rejecting the Talmud, the oral law. They never believed in reincarnation and in the resurrection. That was the reason, because they've been rejecting the oral law. When I asked rabbis, I said that when reincarnation mentioned in the Torah, they said it's not in the Torah, it's in the oral law, which is the Talmud, which Sadducees have been rejecting. That's why they couldn't take it that Lazarus was raised from the that was the only mm. reason. They don't believe in oral law. So they didn't believe in Well, we did, we did a few notes back. We did look at what, what is because Martha believed in the resurrection, right? And, and Jesus in chapter 11, I know at the final day he will be raised, right? So, so not all Jews, you know, didn't, you know, some Jews did believe in the resurrection. And we looked at that. Job and other, you know, writers, uh, Daniel's another one, uh, your people will live. Uh, my eyes will see him, Job says, in the mind, not somebody else's, right? I will, and will my skin be destroyed, my body be destroyed, yet will my eyes see him as resurrection. And uh, and so other places in, but not in the five books, right? So, um, so the point is, interesting that the chief priest, here is a direct evidence that one of their big pet doctrines is flat wrong. What does that do to their credibility <laughs> with the people? They don't come out in public. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're all, they, there's already a lot of disagreement that, you know, we know Martha doesn't buy into it, and she represents a number of other Jews who didn't buy into this belief that there is no resurrection. They're losing their power. That's why the next there. verse says, because on account of him, many Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So there goes there the Sadducees out the window. And I there you go. Nobody's going to follow him because, hey, there's proof. There is there. resurrection. There you go. Exactly right. Exactly right. You can feel the tension building, can't you? You can feel where the protagonist and the antagonist are are, are, are like two trains, you know, uh, on one track headed towards each other and picking up steam. And the inevitable is going to happen. There's going to be this collision eventually. Okay. And uh, yep, that's exactly right. So don't miss that verse 11. Because on account of him, many of the Jews, notice that again, the Jews now, not just the Israelites, not just, you know, you know, half-breeds from Galilee or whatever, but um, but the Jews, these are reputable people who are going away and believing in Jesus. Wow. Wow. God's hand on this? Yeah. The stage is set, folks, for the triumphal entry. Stage is set. Keep this, keep this in your mind because next week we'll cover that. And, and it's important that you understand that momentum that's building toward this triumphal entry. When Jesus, the next day, rides into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey, and, and the people are so ready for him, right? At least some of them. Okay. Which makes the rest of Yes, which further adds to the anxiety and the threat that the leaders feel to hate him. All right, good. Good, good. Lively discussion. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Hope you, hope you are. Let's pray.
Mm. Father, your word is, is wonderful and, and exciting. It's just, I'm always amazed at the economy of words. How much is here when we start to really unpack and slow down and look at the cultural context and the linguistic context and, and then the context within scripture. And then we, we put ourselves in there and, and we, we see uh, the two responses, uh, either belief in you and surrender to you uh, uh, or violent hatred and use. What's amazing to me is how you use both kinds of people to accomplish your end. From a human perspective, as these two trains collide, it looks like the chief priests and the Pharisees and members of the Sanhedrin and this Jewish ruling class who hated you and rejected you as Messiah, it looks like they won. But in reality, the Son of Man is lifted up and, is, and, and draws all men to himself and in reality crushes the head of the serpent, the one who's really behind, the man behind the curtain of the system, so to speak, and brings the most glory in what looks like the most shame is really the most glory for you, Father, and for you, Son. We thank you for... Uh, the glory of the Father that we see once again in the face of Jesus in the orchestration of these circumstances and the encouragement that it is to us that you are still the same God, still in charge of all the circumstances and still the one who can use people who love you and people who hate you uh, for your glory. The, the, I mean, the question for us is really what, what side do we want to be on? Do we want to be the side of grace that brings glory to you or the side of judgment that brings glory to you? So I pray that all of us would do that. And we'd also think of many of our loved ones who uh, are not uh, embracing Jesus, your, your Jesus, as their Messiah, as their Savior. Pray that you would open many eyes at this time in our, our, our dark history of our nation. Pray for your blessing on the rest of this service this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.